Welcome to Ride Ever Stride, episode 63. to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. What's up, Van? Hey, Miss Laura. I'll tell you. I don't know what all's up, but it's just amazing, isn't it? We've had such a good, I just get excited sometimes when I start thinking about all the good stuff, <laughs> you know, I, I really do. Cause I, I, you know, I was thinking one time I was kind of looking at what was going on in different part of the country and they had this really, really bad storm. And almost as I'm thinking, oh, bless her hearts for having such a bad storm. And then I read a really good article about some friends of mine, actually, that were up in Colorado during the storm and they'd entered this really cool race. And what it is, is like these horses are dragging these guys on skis through the city streets. <laughs> and they, and I'm thinking, how fun would that be? And what a great way to thumb your nose at some really bad snowy weather, right? I mean, they just had a, they just turned a very negative thing into a positive thing. And I'm thinking, why not? And, and now, believe it or not, this is several years ago, they did that thing. But the, I just happened to notice this just recently that, you know, what a great way to turn what would be a bad winter day into something really fun. And these guys were doing that just the other day again. I was like, man, that's, that's good stuff. That's just a way to look at, you know, look at things and turn what some might view as a bad situation into something really good. And, you know, the amazing thing, Laura, we all have that opportunity to do that. If, if we can just force ourselves from time to time, just to make that better, that better decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like the old cliche of when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. You know, it's a cliche for a reason. There's some it's not bad advice. Yeah, you're right. And you know, it seems so bad, you know, sometimes when you think, oh my goodness, look how, look how dreary the day is or whatever the case may be. But there's usually a really good reason for the things being the way they are. And sometimes let's just look at it. Heck, if it's really bad day outside, it might be a great day for you to take a nap, you know? And, <laughs> and that's always a, a good really, thing. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, who gets to do that? That's a good thing. You know, so it's just, it, we always have an opportunity to, to make those better decisions, but you know, and I'm as guilty as anybody, you know, and I've even sent you text messages or, or calls and said, you know, what do you got to cheer me up today? I'm having a really, <laughs> really rough day, a rough week. But you know, sometimes we all need that little mm -hmm. encouragement for somebody else who might have that little bit better attitude. But anyway, to answer your question in short, what's up, man, I tell you what, just keep our attitudes up and keep them positive. And speaking of the attitudes, keeping those up, we're going to talk about something on the downside. We're going to talk about the seat. Uh -huh. And the question would be is, do you have a good seat? <laughs> and when people hear that, sometimes, you know, I, I'm, sometimes when I've got a, somebody in a lesson or somebody's at a clinic or, or even when I'm doing a, a thing at an expo, and I'll say, work on your seat. And I, as soon as I say that, the little thing in the back of my mind clicks and says, I wonder if they even know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. What, are the, what, is this, what does this guy mean when he says seat? You know? and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. This is what kind of started this. I've got a young girl that's, that takes riding lessons from me at least once a week and sometimes more. And this young girl pretty much knows how to ride. Her grandparents started putting her on, on horses when she was three. And she started taking formal riding lessons 
when she was only three years old. Hmm. And she rides really, really well. You don't see her bouncing around. She's got good posture. I bet she's had yelled at her so many times, at least until she came to work with me. Um, I bet she's been yelled at a thousand times, you know, shoulders back, head up, heels down. I, I can just hear her instructors screaming that at her from the time that she was six until the time that she was 10. It's when she started with me. And she's about to turn 16. So it tells you how long she's been taking riding lessons with me. But, you know, the one thing that I had to talk to her about is as good as she rides a horse. And what I mean by that is, is that when you very first watch an observer, it just looks like she's working with her horse in the sense that she doesn't bounce around. She doesn't flail around in the saddle. She's got good posture. You don't hardly ever see any daylight between her butt and the saddle. Unless, of course, she's posting. And even when she does that, she's very keenly aware of posting on the proper diagonal and being in rhythm with her horse well. But yet, really, over the last year, I've really had to fuss at her for being what I call a dead butt. <laughs> and people, you know, what do you mean by dead butt? Well, see, every horse that she rides, no matter how well trained, every horse that she rides, after a few short rides, she has a hard time keeping the horse going. She has a hard time keeping the horse at whatever gate that she establishes. So she'll establish, let's say, to get her horse into a trot. And as her horse is jog trotting, she's sitting the saddle, what looks like really, really well. But before you know it, the horses are constantly begging to slow down to a walk. Hmm. And to the point where she's having to get almost aggressive with her feet to keep the horse trotting. And it wouldn't be so much if I just saw her do that with one horse. But over the over this last little period of time, it's happened with almost every horse we've put her on. And I've watched very, very carefully and very observant. And what I've noticed is, is that she's just got what I call a dead butt, meaning that she is letting the horse do all the work. She is riding the horse instead of establishing the rhythm. Hmm. Okay. So what I mean when I, when I hear somebody, and, and especially when I yell out to someone, develop your seat, or you've got a good seat, or ride stronger with your seat, what I'm really saying is, is be a leader. And since you're sitting on your butt, on the saddle, on your horse, then let the horse feel your rhythm. Now, Laura, you're a music person, so just imagine that you and Mike are going to go dancing. And even though you're a very, you know, for folks that don't know, Laura's husband's like a freaking musical genius. <laughs> so he's just got all this music going on in his head. I bet you no matter what song he's listening to, I bet he's got all of the details of all that music going on in his head. But what I'm getting at is that that's good to hear that because see, when you hear that music, now your body can translate that into a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And now let's just say the two of you are dancing and now Mike's got this rhythm going on in his mind, okay? Now his body is relaying what his mind is, is telling him. And then now, because he's feeling that, he's able to transfer that rhythm to his dance partner, in this case would be you. And now you can be guided around that dance floor very easily because you too can hear the rhythm because he's a, you hear it, but now he's established it, which is your affirmation as to what you're doing at that particular song. And then all you have to do is, as you're in the rhythm, just to determine which direction that you're going. Mm -hmm. You see, and that's what I want a good writer to do. What do you want to do? I want a canter. What is a canter? It's a three-beat gate. Then automatically know it a canter, know that it's a three-beat gate, put your mind and your body 
in that rhythm and let your body communicate that rhythm to your horse. And then you be a good enough leader to guide your horse in the canter. You see, but if you're just listening to the music and you're just jamming in your head, but your body's got no rhythm, then after a while the horse says, you know what? You are a lousy freaking dance partner (laughs) and they don't want to dance with you. And before you know it, you're that wallflower that everybody's talking about. I don't want people when they're riding their horses to be a wallflower while they're at the dance. <laughs> what I want them to do. <laughs> What's so funny, Miss Laura? You're just being very sort of poetic about this <laughs> today. I think about this all the time, quite yeah. frankly. I do. I think, how can I get people to understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about having a good seat? And the more I thought about it, the more I think about the rhythm. Yeah. And whenever I think about rhythm, I'm not nearly as musically as inclined as you and Mike, but whenever I think about rhythm, it's hard for me not to think about music because there's so many different rhythms with different music. Therefore, our rhythms with our horses are very simple. You know, your typical horse is a four beat, two beat, or three beat. So we've got that rhythm. And then, of course, we can speed the rhythm up a little bit or we can slow the rhythm down a little bit. But if as long as we're in a walk, trot, or a canter, it's still a four beat, two beat, or three beat. But in order for the horse to be able to be a willing partner, we have to have a rider that establishes that rhythm. So when I when I hear somebody talk about having a good seat and I'm trying to encourage someone to have a good seat, what I'm really saying is establish the rhythm and feel that rhythm and have it in your mind first and then let your body communicate it and then let your feet, and this is where the good feet come in. Let your feet support what your rhythm is doing. But if you don't have any rhythm with your seat, then I really think it's unfair for you to constantly gig and kick on your horse with your feet, you see. Mm-hmm. So so be a good dance partner, I guess, is my encouragement there about, about uh, having a really good seat. And see, when, when you said that we were going to talk about having a good seat, maybe this is just because I'm not a very good rider. What I thought about is, you know, being solid enough in the saddle that I won't fall off. And so how do you, how does a person develop a good seat the way you're describing it? Well, first of all, I'm going to address exactly what you said, because, you know, you've heard me say before that there's a big, in my opinion, anyway, there's a huge difference between a rider and a passenger. To me, a really good passenger sees themselves as having a good seat if they don't get bucked off and they don't bounce too much. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they don't get bucked off and they don't bounce too much and they don't feel too uncomfortable up there in the saddle, then that person will probably think of themselves as a good rider. But you see, in my opinion, if you're if you're not falling off and you're not bouncing too much or you're not bouncing or you're you're not bouncing too little, in other words, you're just kind of hanging out up there in the saddle, but yet you're still struggling with your horses on our communication of directional control, speed control, or otherwise, then to me, you don't really have a good seat. So if you're not falling off, that's a great step, but let's just refine that. Okay. In other words, let's refine it to the point where we're actually riding and getting in better rhythm with your horse. You see, because I'm a dancer, I'm not a good dancer. I would never call myself a Fred Astaire. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have that type of rhythm. I don't have that type of practice. But you see, that to me is what a good rider is, that they they do establish a rhythm. They understand the, the songs, if you will, that they're dancing to, whether or not it's a, a one beat or, I'm sorry, a, a four beat, a two beat, or a three beat. They understand that. 
But after after a while, you can start getting in better rhythm with that. And before you know it, it's even more refined. And that is the true definition, in my opinion, of a good writer. That person that's establishing the rhythm, that, that has that rhythm that is so smooth and, and that has that seat that is so in unison with your horse, that they truly do look like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. They just flow together so, so well. So it's not that what you said was, you know, that they don't have a good seat. In that case, they're not falling off and they're not bouncing too much. No, that's a that's fairly good seat. But let's start working on refinement of that. And for example, I'll, I'll speak of the young girl that's taking riding lessons with me. When you very first look at her, she looks great in the saddle. But why does she continue to have these same exact problems? Why do all of her horses appear to be lazy and constantly begging to go slower and slower. And that's because of that lack of life in her seat. You see, she's just going through the rhythm of the canter or going through the rhythm of the trot. She's not actively establishing it whenever she's riding. And as a result, the horses kind of feel that, you know, and they just feel, oh, there's no life in that young girl's butt. So I guess if she's not excited about being at the dance, I'm not going to be excited either. So we just kind of want to liven up our seat a little bit to where the horses kind of feel that rhythm and we can kind of pass on our enthusiasm through our seat right into our horse's energy. So we're not just sitting up there, we're actually doing something with our body. Absolutely. You know, and one thing too, Laura, like in our clinics, uh, and I know it's not pretty, but I'll get people to think about all three of those gates, the walk, trot, and the canter. And I want them to understand the mechanics of those. Understand that the walk is a left, left, right, right, four-beat rhythm, left, left, right, right, four-beat rhythm. Then I want them to learn how to, to feel that rhythm from where they're sitting. I want them to be able to feel that horse's rib cage swaying back and forth. I want them to know that as that horse's rib cage is swinging back and forth, that the horse's hind legs are working perfectly in conjunction with the sway of that, that belly swaying. So in anybody that's been in my clinics, they know that the, because they've experienced that. And then when we, when we talk about the trot, I want them to, to know that that's a two-beat rhythm. And I want them to feel and visualize that horse's hindquarter going left, right, left, right. Even though it feels very bouncy and it feels very one-two as in up and down, one-two, one-two. And you see people bouncing a lot up in the saddle. But the reality is it's left, right, left, right, left, right. So in the beginning, we established that and we, we learned to feel that rhythm by exaggerating, uh, by allowing our hips to go with the horse's hips, left, right, left, right. And I have them exaggerate that movement with their hips and their pelvis. And then when they get into the canter, we do the exact same thing. We understand that the canter is a three-beat rhythm. And we get them to learn to feel that rhythm. And we learn to feel that. And in the beginning, I want them to feel how deliberate it is. And then over time, the more you ride, you can refine that to the point to where it's very, very subtle, but yet you're still very energized in that rhythm with your horse, regardless of what gait that he's traveling. So that to me is the difference when, they're, when I'm transitioning people from being a passenger to a rider is learning to establish their seat in such a way that the horse can feel that energy. And it's not always that we're feeling that energy by driving the horse's energy level up. Oftentimes, we can take a very energetic horse and bring them back down to a slower rhythm or a better, more established rhythm, just like a really good dancer would do. 
you know, a really good dancer and a dance leading partner will oftentimes feel his partner maybe getting a little bit excited about the song and and maybe go a little bit too fast, but yet the the better dancer will stay consistent and stay with that rhythm and bring his partner to him, you see. And that, to me, is what a rider really does. Someone who has a really good seat establishes that seat, establishes that rhythm, and either encourages a horse to keep up or encourages a horse to slow down to that rhythm. So that, to me, is what I'm referring to when I want someone to establish a really good seat. Are there any um, like exercises you do with the with your students to to help them with that? Besides the things that you you just were talking about that you do at your clinics, and I've seen you do that. If you you know if you have a, a student in the ring who's got an issue like this, are there any particular things you have them do to work on that? You bet. And a lot of times, number one is kind of going back to what we mentioned a little while ago and just feel the the absolute rhythm with the horse's feet. Know where the horse's feet are. Know the mechanics of the horse. In other words, how they travel. Because the more you know about that and the more you can feel it and the more you can be a part of it, and before you know it, you're the one that abs- actually starts establishing that rhythm. So in the beginning, I want my students to be very, very deliberate. So we will work a lot on just that walk and then just that trot and then just that canter so that they can feel the mechanics of that. And then almost in their mind's eye, without having to look down at the horse's feet, they can imagine where the horse's feet are. You see, because that to me is always the, the telltale sign of a great horseman is when you at all times know where your horse's feet are. Because even though we've got all these attra- contraptions attached to the horse's face, and then we got this big saddle wrapped around their belly, and then we've got spurs at the end of our heels, all of those things are just inanimate tools that do absolutely nothing but to support the, the mechanics of what's going on with the horse from the, from the rhythm, that, rhythm that we establish. All those other things are just, just aid in those. And there comes in the second part of those exercises. I want them to know why the horse is walking. I want them to know why the horse is trotting. I want them to know why the horse is cantering. And let's hope that those horses are walking, trotting, and cantering because the rider has established that rhythm. The rider has established that feel and that energy in the seat. And then once that is established, I want them to almost pretend that they don't have spurs on their feet or they don't have a little dressage whip in their hand or they don't have the reins in their hand. And then once they've established that rhythm, I want them to exercise and practice speeding the horse up and slowing the horse down, but without those aids, Mm. you see. So in other words, establish that rhythm in your seat and establish that rhythm with your feet and then just relax and see if your horse comes back to you, comes back to a slower pace. And then energize that rhythm again and see if your horse speeds up without you having to energize your feet. In other words, don't use your feet. Don't use your spurs. Don't do, don't use your size whip. See if you can get the horse to energize just because your energy has increased. So Laura, those are the types of exercises that I would encourage my riders or those transitioning from the passenger to the rider. And those that are trying to establish a better seat, those are the little types of exercises I'd want to get them to, uh, to practice and be a part of. It sounds like it's a lot of work. <laughs> Well, you know, it is, isn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong. It depends on your personality. Some people just absolutely enjoy going out and being a passenger on a horse, and, and they just absolutely love that. Me, on the other hand, I enjoy that, but I also enjoy how refined can we get with our horses? How in tune can we get? How much of 
my personality and of what I'm doing becomes part of that horse and vice versa. In other words, are we really working together as a team? Now, because that's my journey in horsemanship, it doesn't necessarily mean that needs to be everybody's journey. But for those of us who really do like to see how refined we can we can get our relationship with our horses, just like I like to see how refined I can get my relationship with a dance partner. You know, how good can we be? Yeah. And you don't know unless you just continue to raise the bar for yourself, which which those are right back at one of my old cliches. I used to say to you a lot, which was, hey, Laura, that was perfect <laughs> for now. Yeah. You see, because and, and so to me, I love to chase that for now thing and to see if we can't make it just a little bit better. I mean, and you never know how good a horseman you can be. You never know how good a rider you can be until you kind of push yourself a little bit. And that's not to say that we have to do that all the time, because Lord knows that would be incredibly stressful. But we do need to practice it a, enough that we can, if if that is our, our goal with our horses, see how good we can be, then we do need to practice it, you know, f- a fairly significant amount so that we can keep working on that journey. Yeah, I mean, and when I say it's, it's a lot of work, I mean, f- f- that that's what makes it, I would think, what makes it interesting enough to keep going out there day after day is that there's always something you can work on refining or getting a little bit better at or, or you know, working on that, communicating with the horse in a different way, uh, in, a, in a more refined way. To, uh, otherwise, you know, you really are just a passenger and you might as well sit in a car. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and, and that's the thing is too, is that now here's the other thing I don't want people to get discouraged with. Don't think that once you are working on those refined techniques and you're getting more and more refined, you're developing a better and better seat. I don't want people to, to think that every single day you're going to be able to raise the bar right? and, and you're going to get better every day because, you know, right now, for example, there's, we've got athletes from all over the world that are competing in the Olympics. And you know what? I bet you there's been days that they've been better than they are the day they compete for the Olympic gold medal. There, but they're, at the same time, we all shoot for that day that we're going to peak at just the right time. But I promise you that as you're working toward betterment, there's tons and tons of days that you've had better days. And I don't want that to be discouraging, but I also want people to know that's the realistic aspect of it. Some days you're going to think, oh my God, it couldn't get any better. And then before you know it, you have a better day and you think, oh my goodness, that was even better than yesterday. But then there's other days you think, oh my gosh, we have fallen back so far. What happened just from yesterday to today? Oh my goodness, I really suck today. And you know, the reality is we have those good days and bad days. You know, you've heard me tell the story about one of the guys that, I mean, there was a point in time in our career that every time I jumped on a horse and we went somewhere to compete, we won. And I'm thinking, shoot, I got this figured out, man, this winning stuff's easy. <laughs> and then finally, one of my older customers came to me and said, hey, Van, I've been reading about you, dude, and you're doing great. Well, every time you t- turn around, you've won something else on this ranch horse versatility stuff. You think if I bring you that horse of mine, you could do such a good job? Well, sure I could, I said. And he said, well, do you reckon if I brought him to you, you, you could get him ready for the, for the uh, Fort Worth show? And at that time, that was one of the bigger, larger shows in our region. And I said, well, sure I could. He said, well, do you think if I did all that, you could, you could make this 1% improvement a day? And I said, well, of course I could. He goes, well, good. I think I'll just wait until only 100 days before the show, and then I'll bring him to you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, whoa, I can't do that in 100 days. Well, you just said you could get 1% improvement a day. You see, so sometimes what sounds easy is oftentimes almost unachievable. In order to get to our absolute best, 
it takes more than a hundred days of work and practice because if we could make one improvement, a one percent improvement a day, then every hundred days we would achieve a whole new level of perfection. But the reality is, is that it, we know that it takes a lot longer because we some days we'll make ten percent improvement, but then the next day we lost twenty five percent. And you just so, you, but you just have to stay focused on getting better and knowing and having faith in your plan to the point that, you know what, in a hundred days from now, I'm going to be better. I may not be a hundred percent, but I know I'm going to be better. Well, and the fact is we're, we're not machines and our horses aren't machines. And so that, you know, we're, we're dealing with at least two living beings there. So things aren't always going to be the same every day in terms of attitude or physical well-being or anything else. And all those things impact what kind of progress we're going to make on any given day. That's exactly right. And that's my point to the, to the absolute T is that because we're different beings and because every day is different, we have to realize that today pre- prevent or presents a whole new challenge than did yesterday. And then what, what determines whether or not today was a great success oftentimes just depends on kind of what we started this whole concept, conversation out today on today's episode, which was, what's your attitude? Mm-hmm. You know, it's your choice. And we happen to kind of get off on the topic, which was <laughs> the choice was we were going to work on our seat today. But oftentimes your seat improvement even isn't going to always get better and better every day. We can only just have faith in our program and have faith in our practice and enjoy what we're doing to the point to where we know that we're going to get better. And then we know that we're going to get to the point we're going to be working almost in such magical unison with our horse. And that's a great thing to shoot for. It really is. But it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. And and like you said, sometimes it's a lot of work and some days are a lot more work than other days. But, you know, that's where the attitude comes in. And that's what I always want to encourage people. Just, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for doing something really good. And then just understand that you're going to sometimes have those bad days. And if you do, shrug it off and, and, and make it a better day tomorrow. Yeah. And the good thing is, I, you know, as you said that, I was thinking of something you've, you've told me many times, and I've heard you say to other people that, you know, the horse won't remember the next day. So when you come back the next day, the horse isn't going to look at you and say, you were a loser yesterday. I'm not going to do anything for you. They don't know. They don't care. Exactly. And, you know, and you couldn't say that any better. I, it, it's so true. That's why, that's why I really love to work with horses and work with people, because when, you're, when you put the two together, that horse really reminds us to stay in the moment. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always asking people, what's the name of my podcast? It's Ride Every Stride. Not ride 10 strides ago mm-hmm. and not worry about too much about you know 10 strides ahead. Ride right now. Mm-hmm. Stay in the moment. Ride this stride right now. And the horses are very good at staying in the moment. It's not that they forgot the training that went on yesterday. They just don't dwell on whether or not it was good or bad. It mm-hmm. just was. And that's such a great lesson for us. Every single day of working with our horses is a great opportunity to, for us to really become more like them in a lot of ways. And, um, and that's, in my opinion, the, one of the biggest ways is let's learn from those guys to stay in the moment. Well, there you go. That's a, uh, that's a good note to sort of end things on. Uh, interesting topic, talking about what a good seat is. I guess I've learned something because 
you know, like I said, I, I always thought of it in terms of, you know, am I staying in the saddle and not hitting the ground and not bouncing all over the place? So I've learned some things today and uh, hopefully listeners have as well. But if you have questions, you can always send those to Van any number of ways. If you're um, following the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, you can always post a comment or a question there. Van loves hearing from people. You can email your questions to info at vanhargis.com and those will get to Van so he can uh, respond, answer your questions either in a reply email or in an upcoming episode. And you know, one of these days, Van, as a side thing, we ought to do an episode where you just kind of respond to some emails that you've gotten from listeners, kind of a, a compilation of those. That might be kind of fun. You know what? I think I will do that, in fact, because we've gotten some great responses and some great questions from people. And then another episode that I promised a couple of people, one is one of our better listeners in Australia, and uh, he wants me to spend a day, and all I'm have to say to this is, Laura, bless your heart, because you've heard a lot of these stories before, <laughs> but he wanted me to spend a day talking about just stories from some of the days back when I was doing a lot of day work and doing cattle work. And uh, he had heard me tell one of the stories, I don't, I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was on one of the other things we do on our website. But he had heard me tell one of those stories and he just died laughing, he said. And he just said, you know, would you please do some more of those on your podcast? So uh, I think we will. We'll, we'll, we'll address questions in the, in the comments that people make on uh, one of those episodes. And I think we'll do another episode of me just kind of sharing some of those old cowboy stories. So there you go. So if you'd like to have a question answered on an upcoming episode, be sure and email that to Van. Again, the email address is info at vanhargis.com. I guess if we could ask a favor of listeners, if you find this this episode or this podcast in general to be helpful, and maybe you can help spread the word a little bit, tell your horse-loving friends about Ride Every Stride and show them how to subscribe, because we'd like to, you know, build the community and increase the number of people involved in the conversation about horsemanship and humanship and all those things that Van teaches about and talks about. Any upcoming events? I, I know folks can always visit the website at vanhargis.com and see the the schedule there, Van's calendar of where he's going to be. The, you can see the store there to see what products you can buy. You can join the Top Hand Club if you're not already a member. Lots of information available on the website. Anything you want to highlight, Van? No, I do want to mention, though, Laura, that for those who have been following me on Facebook page and also been following the website, they may have heard me refer to uh, a young man down here in South Texas that had a horrific uh, ranch accident. His name was Cole Ort, and Cole had uh, had a pretty bad accident that uh, affected his neck, and he's still suffering from paralysis. And in fact, the paralysis is from the neck down. And I just want to mm-hmm. encourage everybody to keep Cole in, in his prayer or in, in their prayers for us. Sometime on the weekend of May the 5th, we are going to be doing a kind of a benefit clinic. We've not yet come up with all the details, but I do want people to follow us on that because at that particular clinic, we're also going to be involving a live auction as well as a silent auction. Those items are going to be listed on, in part anyway, on our website. There's going to be a spot on our website that's going to be what we're going to call Cole's Corner. Everything that's going to be in Cole's Corner, all the sales from those items there are going to go benefit Cole and his family. And I just want people to think about that for a moment. This is an extremely young man. He's 14 years old, Mm -hmm. involved in a horrific accident. And it's one of those things that could literally have happened to anybody at any time. 
And I just want folks to realize how fortunate we are that we go from, from day to day and without having anything serious happen to us, because it can happen in a blink of an eye. This is a, a tremendous young man raised by just an absolute wonderful family, a very hardworking group of ranchers down here. And uh, my heart goes out to him, and I just hope that people continue to have Cole in, uh, in, his, in our prayers. And at the same time, support us uh, on May the 5th. We're going to have the clinic down here on that weekend. And at the same time, support Cole and his family through Cole's Corner on the website. It's not up on the website yet, but it will be very, very shortly. I want people to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, definitely give my best wishes to that family. And folks, just keep an eye on the website. We'll, as we get more information, we'll uh, update you in future episodes, but kind of pencil in that date and watch, watch the website for ways that you can help support this family. Absolutely. Laura, I guess that's going to pretty well wrap it up. And again, I I thank you so much for helping us get through these podcasts. You do such a great job. And that's, believe it or not, I'm not just saying this to, to, to get your head to grow to where you're going to be putting too much pressure on those earphones on you. But I'm telling you, we get so many good positive comments from people who love to have your commentary on the website. They think you are on the podcast. They think you do such a great job and kind of keeping me focused and kind of keeping me reined in and asking the same types of questions that our listeners would ask. So I really appreciate you. And I know the listeners do as well. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's, it's my honor. And with that said, Laura, I also want to say a thank you to the listeners. Keep listening. And just don't forget, it's your ride. It's your trail. It's your journey. So ride every stride.